Well, welcome to the City Church. If it's your first time, we are honored that you're joining us. We want to welcome those of you watching online. Welcome our Hope City uh, men and women. We are pumped you are joining us this week as well. We're in the middle of a four-part series called The Vow. And this series is based on a series that Pastor Craig Groeschel at Life Church did. And his series was based on a book written by Jimmy Evans called Marriage on the Rock. We're in part two of a four-part message series. And our goal, our, our prayer, is that God would help those of you that are not yet married today, but, but maybe hope to be, that, that he would do a work in your heart through this series and he would give you the tools that you need to be prepared to have a marriage that truly honors God one day. And for those of you that are married, I, I believe that God's word is going to strengthen you. It's going to empower you, encourage you, and give you the hope and tools that you need to have a marriage that would be a blessing to you and to your spouse and to the generations that would come after you. Let me ask you a question. Let me see a show of hands. Have you ever made a fool out of yourself for love? Let me see a show of hands. If you can think of a time like you made a fool out of yourself. Okay, I have one of those times too, right? Um, many of you know Darby and I met in seventh grade at Irons Junior High, seventh grade, Miss Woodfin's English class, all right? And we were great friends. We talked on the phone, right? We, we talked at school. Uh, we went to a homecoming together in high school. Okay, we were, we were great friends, but for the most part, Darby put me in the friend zone. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not the only one, okay, that, that was put in the friend zone. Darby, Darby kind of had me in the friend zone throughout middle school and high school. And, and so I, I always liked her. We, we, we dated other people, but I always liked her, but I was always kind of in the, the friend zone. And, and so we, we get to college, and it's been six years, right? Sixth grade, uh, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh, twelfth, right? It's been six years of friend zone, and I am fed up with the friend zone, right? I'm fed up, okay? And I'm living at this house. I'm, we're going to Texas Tech. I'm living at this house with some friends, and a lot of us, there's a lot of people over at, uh, over at our house, and uh, we're all outside in the, in the front yard, and we're all kind of talking, and she's there, and I'm there, and we're in this big group of people, and we're just all talking and hanging out, and I, I, right, I, I'm done with the friend zone. I'm fed up with the friend zone, and so I go over to her in front of everyone. I go over to her. Now, this was not like me, okay? If you knew me in like junior high and high school, even like if you're if you're friend, if you were friends with me and knew me like in junior high and high school, and you see me right now, you're like probably really confused, okay? Because I was not okay being in front of people. I hated talking. I was very shy. I was very reserved. In fact, I felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry. I was scared to death because I was like, "There's no way I could talk to people." Like. I can't get up in front of people and talk. Like, so, so God really did something like when I graduated from high school and in, in my life, it, for sure my gifting, like to be able to like be a pastor and be in front of people and preach and do all those kinds of things, okay? But, but the Lord also did something like with this kind of righteous, you know, this, this hatred of the friend zone, okay? And so, so we're in front of all these people, Darby's there and I walk over to Darby in front of all these people. I kind of put my arm like, or grab her by the arm and, and, and kind of pull her in. And I whisper in her ear in front of all these people. And everybody's like, whoa, what, what's going on here? Like what's going on right now, right? And so I whisper in her ear, I tell her something, I kind of let go and she looks at me and I look at her and the friend zone was over, okay? I'm just telling you, well, I was out of the friend zone and everyone, especially college students, I don't know why, guys are like, bro, what'd you say, okay? I gotta know what you said, okay? I'm not telling you what I said, all right? 
But I'm sure, like, okay, if you just, it was something about the way that she looked that night, okay? And how I was feeling about her, okay? So the friend zone was over after that. We started dating not long after that, okay? So, so I, I, I stepped out of my comfort zone in front of a lot of people and risked kind of making a fool out of myself because I loved Darby, right? And maybe you were there when you were dating, you know, you're talking on the phone and if anyone ever heard you talking on the phone with your girlfriend, you know, who you're dating, or maybe when you were engaged, maybe when you're first married, you know, you're talking on the phone and you're like, oh no, you hang up. And she's like, no, no, I'm not hanging up, you hang up. You know, and if anybody else was listening, you know, you would just be like totally embarrassed and they would make fun of you, you know, no, no, I'm not gonna hang up, you hang up, you know? And now, you, you know, you get married, it's 10 years later, you know, oh, you, no, you hang up, click. Are you there? You know, where'd you, where'd you go? You know, where'd you go, right? So, so may, maybe, maybe you've made a fool out of yourself for love. You see, here, here, here's, here's the thing. By nature, watch this, by nature, we pursue what we don't have. By nature, we pursue. We're willing to make a fool out of ourselves, right? We, we will go the extra mile. We will pursue what we don't have. But, but here's what happens usually, like years later, you wake up, you don't feel the love, you, you suddenly start thinking, like, where'd the intimacy go? Where's the adventure? Where's the, the romance? Well, very simply, if we just like look at the roots, somewhere along the way, we got the priorities out of line and we started, stopped rather, pursuing one another. Can you be lazy with your yard? No, you can't be lazy with your yard. You can't like not water it, not fertilize it. You're gonna see weeds grow up, right? If you wanna see your yard get better, you gotta water it and fertilize it, right? And mow it, right? That's how you take care of your yard. Otherwise, the weeds are going to start to grow. And, and if there's ever been a time like in your life or in your marriage specifically, where you started thinking like, man, the, the grass is looking greener somewhere else then here's what I wanna tell you today. It's time to water your own yard. If the grass ever starts looking greener somewhere else, it's a sign, it's an alert, right? It's a warning. It's time to water your own yard. It's, it's time to start pursuing once again. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're in this series called The Vow. We're looking at four different vows that if we live by these vows, I believe God is going to help equip us through these vows and move us towards the marriage that really honors God and is a blessing to you and to your spouse. So here, here are the vows. Last week, here's what we said. Here was the first vow. I promise that God will be my first priority. And, that, and that's what you got to catch, right? If you weren't here, th these messages kind of build on, e on each other. So if you weren't here last week, you got to go back to last week and watch that on our app or on our podcast. But the first vow is I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. And, and here's why, like you need to go back and watch that if you weren't here, or if, you, if you hadn't listened to that yet. Because everything else that we're talking about for the rest of the series is based on this right? You, if, if you can't do this or what we're talking about today or next week and the week after, you can't do any of that right if God is not your first priority. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus because it's Jesus that's going to enable you to do everything we're talking about. Listen, we're, we're going to give you some kind of practical one, two, threes in this series, but, but listen, those one, two, threes are death to you if you don't know and follow Jesus. 
Because it will be almost like a form of the law all over again that you are unable to perform and you're unable to do. Like as we talk about some of the things today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna even admit to you kind of like I did last week. Listen, I don't have all these things together. I'm not constantly doing all these things, but it's through a relationship with Jesus first that enables you to be a godly husband or a godly wife or, 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 or men that you're not, you're not married will enable you one day to be a godly husband. Ladies, will enable you to one day be a godly wife, right? If you don't have this first, you can't do anything else that we're talking about well. It'll almost be another form of the law that's just death to you. But, but here, here's, here's week one. My, my spouse will be my second, right? Everyone's trying to find the one. And we said, we're, 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 we're trying to find the two. We're gonna find the two because the one is really Jesus. And that's what we talked about last week. Okay, here's the vow for this week. If you're taking notes, following along in our app, that's a great resource to kind of lean in, engage in our time together. Uh, it has fill in the blanks as we go. That's a great resource. Download our app, the City Church Lubbock, on your app store and click message notes and follow along with us. Uh, here, here's week two, the vow of pursuit. I promise to always pursue my two. That's the vow that we're making this week. I promise to always pursue my two. Where does this come from? Genesis chapter two, verse 24 says this, talking about Adam and Eve. Adam was put into that sleep, right? God forms woman from the, the, the rib. And so you've got Adam and Eve and they're in this new relationship. God ordains and creates the marriage relationship. And here's what it looks like in Genesis two twenty four. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother, and is joined to his wife, watch this, and the two are united into one. United. You need to, if you're, if you're married or you're single and looking to be, you need to circle that word. You need to memorize this word and, and the depth of meaning behind this word because the Hebrew word for united is so deep. It is so cool. I talk about it in every marriage ceremony I do. In fact, I did one a, a week ago. And, and again, I was just bringing this up. Like this is what God, this is the way that God views marriage. God created, he designed, he ordains the marriage relationship. And, and this is what it is. That this word, this Hebrew word united, you've got to catch this. The depth of meaning here. That this word for united means to cling to something or adhere to something like glue. I love that. That if you're, if you're married, you, when you got married and you made that covenant between each other and before God, in that moment, God did a miraculous thing like in your hearts and in your lives, like, like this invisible like miracle happened when, when you got married, where you were joined together, you were united together. And that word means to stick or to cling to something like glue. You're glued now together. It implies an ongoing, continuing relationship. In other words, pursuit. Being united together as one is not like a one-day kind of thing. It's not a one-time thing, right? It's not just something that happens in a ceremony. No, no, no. It's, it's so much bigger and deeper and greater than that. Being, being united together implies it's an ongoing, continual action of pursuit and relationship. It means to pursue hard with affection and devotion and passion. That's what that word means. In other words, it's, it's not just about the moment at that ceremony when you say, I do. 
And, and that's the pinnacle or the, the, the high point of your marriage. No, that's the beginning. Being united is an ongoing, continual relationship and pursuit of one another. One of my favorite stories of pursuit in the Bible is the story of Jacob and Rachel in the book of Genesis. And, and what's, what's interesting, <laughs> the Bible's really funny sometimes when you read it. Like, this is literally what it says. There's, there's two sisters, Le- Leah and, and Rachel. Leah's the older sister, Rachel's the younger sister. And the Bible like literally says that Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. And then it says this about Leah. She had weak eyes. I think that's Hebrew for she had a good personality, right? <laughs> it's bizarre. Sometimes the Bible's just bizarre to me, right? Well, Jacob loved the younger sister and he tells her father, Laban, he's like, hey, I wanna marry her and I'll do whatever it takes to, to marry her. And so Laban says, fair enough, you work for me seven years and, and you can have her as your wife. And the imagery here is beautiful because Jacob worked seven years and the scripture says time passed quickly because he was so in love with her that even as he was working over seven years, that the time passed by very quickly because of the reason he was, he was working for Laban. It just flew by. Well, the father pulled a little switcheroo, and instead of giving him the younger sister, Rachel, right, he gives her, he gives him the older daughter, Leah, you know, the one with the great personality. And Jacob's like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. I wanted Rachel. And Rachel's father's like, well, there's a problem. In our culture, it's proper to give the older daughter away first. Well, Jacob, Jacob's like, well, I wanted the, the younger one. And here's what's interesting. Here, a lot of people think Jacob had to go to work for seven more years and then he receives Rachel, but that's not actually what happened. What happens is the father goes ahead and gives Jacob Rachel to marry and says this, work for me another seven years. And so Jacob receives Rachel and then works another seven years for her father. And and, and here's, here's the picture that you gotta catch. Jacob worked for Rachel after he already had her. Jacob worked for Rachel. Like he was doing whatever it took to have her after he already had her. I love that. For seven more years, he gladly worked for her, even though he already had received the gift from her father. He worked for her after he already had her. And in so many ways, I think this is the This is the heart of God that that I believe God wants us to do in our marriage. That's the vow for today. I promise to always pursue my two. I promise to always pursue my two. Now, if you're not married, you're dating, here's kind of how this applies to you, right? You, You don't date someone who takes you for granted, right? You don't need to date someone who takes you for granted. In fact, I would warn you to reevaluate the relationship if there's not a mutual pursuit going on because we tend to work for what we don't have and you are worth pursuing. You are worth pursuing. Typically when you get married, the pursuit factor usually doesn't go up 
in most cases, it usually goes down. And so if you're not seeing it while you're dating, then I would encourage you to reevaluate that relationship because a ceremony won't change anything. I think a lot of us can testify to that. That just because you say I do, just because you make some promises, it's not going to change anything. Someone may have great intentions, they may make a lot of great promises, but if they're not already preparing, they're not already pursuing, then their current actions are showing you where the relationship is headed. Proverbs 14 verse 15 says this, only simpletons, that's a nice way of saying fools. Only fools, only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent, that's another word for wise, but wise people carefully consider their, what's that word? Steps, not promises, right? Not potential. A wise person carefully considers their Steps, fools believe everything they're told, everything they're promised. But a lot of us have been very foolish in love, right? If you're in love, you'll believe anything you're told. Oh, I, I promise I'm gonna get a job. I promise I'll stop drinking. I promise I'll get out of debt. I, I promise I'll stop playing video games, right? I, I, pl I promise I'll stop watching porn. I promise I won't hit you again. When you're in love and you're dating, you'll, you'll believe almost anything you're told. The Proverbs says the wise person considers that, that other person's steps. You see, here's the, 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 the myth that happens so often in dating. Here's, here's the myth, that promises and potential are a substitute for preparation. And that's just, a, it's a myth. Promises and potential are never a substitute for preparation. I promise my recent past won't show up in our future marriage. I promise I'll get more in church, you know, involved in church one day. I promise I'll be faithful. I promise I'll, I'll never leave you. The problem in relationships and dating relationships is that people think they can promise their way past of lack of preparation. That's why premarital counseling is so Great. Our class this semester is full. We've got another class that'll start up in, in January. So if, if you're dating and considering marriage, I highly recommend it. If you're engaged, I, I highly recommend that class. It'll launch again in, in the spring. And so if you're dating, here's the challenge for you. Look for pursuit and preparation, not promises and potential. Look for pursuit and preparation, not promises and potential, because promises and best intentions are not a substitute for preparation. Now, let, let's talk about how or, and, and what this looks like kind of in marriage and how, how we live this out and walk out some of these things. We're just going to get real practical because, because no one gets married and thinks, man, I, I want to have a bad marriage. I want to lose intimacy. You know, I want to give this a go. And then seven years later, I want to split up everything we have and split up our kids on the weekends, right? No one gets married thinking that way. No, no one does that. 
And, and while there are legitimate, biblical legitimate reasons for divorce, we call them the three A's, adultery, abandonment, abuse. And if, if, if you're there and you're considering divorce or, or whether you're not, but, but, but you're kind of in one of those situations, you need to meet with us quick. You, you need to get with a Christian counselor, go on our app, hit the help tab. There, there's, a, there's a button that says, I need to meet with a pastor and it's an emergency. You can check that it's an emergency, right? There's a, a list where all of our Christian professional counselors are listed. Um, you need, if you are married, Darby and I still see one every once in a while, right? You need a Christian counselor that you can go talk to. You need that third party. And especially if you're like in a critical place, especially in one of the three A's. But we have, we have good intentions. We, we love each other, but, but life just wears us down, right? And so often we get tired, we get worn out, we get overwhelmed and we wanna show the love that we feel, but we just, we just, don't, we just don't do it. And so here's, here's what we're gonna be talking about, right? Here's the, here's the challenge, here's kind of the picture if you're, if you're married, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to close the gap between intentions and actions. This is, this is pursuit, closing the gap between intentions in action. So, so what does this look like? We're just going to get real practical. Here's what it looks like. Number one, when you think something good, say it. When you think something good, say it. You're amazing. You're gorgeous. I'd marry you all over again, right? You're my best friend. You're, you're great at whatever it is. Guys, it, it, here's, here's what it is for you. Like if you're, if you're a husband, pursue her with words of affection. You're going to pursue her with words of affection non-sexual affection. Now, I know some of you guys are like, what is that? I know, I know, right? I had to study this a lot this week, okay? To discover the meaning of this, okay? And so I'm just gonna explain this to you because I know some of you are in the same boat I am and you're like, I, I have no idea what you just said. That's a foreign word to me, okay? Um, I'm gonna explain to you kind of what I found. I'm gonna say this real slowly, okay? It's non-sexual affection, right? It's affection that's non-sexual, okay? Because a guy can make anything sound sexual, right? It's like a spiritual gift. And guys, I have the spiritual gift. Darby's like, go grab the groceries. And I'm like, I'll grab your groceries, okay? So. I get it, okay, I get it. I'm not, I'm not telling you this because I'm perfect at this, right? I'm, I'm telling you this because this is what other people say, right? Sometimes I just gotta say, hey, this is what I found and I'm working on this, right? Uh, because I have this spiritual gift as well. And so here are some suggestions that, that I found that, that I thought were very helpful. You, you say, I love you because. I love you because, and then you fill in the blank. I love you because you honor God. I love you because you're so much fun. I love you because you're self-sacrificing. I love you because you're my best friend. I love you because you serve our family so well. I love you because you work so hard for our family. These are words of affection. Ladies, you're gonna pursue him with words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Many times after I preach on a Sunday, I go down to the second row, Darby's at the 11.30 service because our kids go to the youth group at 11.30. And so I, I go down, I, I sit next to her and almost always she'll kind of grab me, she'll whisper in my ear, babe, that was awesome, like that was a home run. 
or maybe later on we get, we get home, like after lunch, right? And she's like, babe, that was, you did so good today. Like that was a home run. And I'm like, I'll hit another home run to, no, I mean, <laughs> sorry. Non-sexual, non-sexual, non-sexual. Okay. Um, but, but here's the thing. It, like if she thinks I did well, then it almost doesn't matter what any of you think. Because if, if, if she thinks I, then, then, then that's almost all I I need, you're gonna pursue him with words of affirmation because ladies, he's becoming what you see in him and what you call out in him. So, so you gotta take this with a grain of salt because this doesn't always apply in every situation, okay? But, but you've got to be careful about telling him what he's not, about harping on him about what he's not. Tell him who you see him becoming. And so I know many of you are gonna say, well, my husband's just not a spiritual leader. Like if he was like so-and-so, like, listen, you don't live with that guy, right? And if I can meddle, he doesn't live with you. And so you've got to stop like comparing him to someone else. And you could say, well, right, but he's just not a spiritual leader. Like he is not the spiritual leader in our home. Well, when you say that, there's nothing in him that wants to, lead you or your family spiritually because he recognizes you don't look up to him in this area. But if you take whatever he does that's even remotely spiritual and you begin to applaud him for it and affirm him in that, then it will encourage him to be more spiritual. And so men, when it comes to thinking something good and saying it, she wants to know, do you love me today and why? And ladies, he wants to know, do you believe in me today and why? When you think something good, say it. Number two, when you think something special, do it. When you think something special, do it. Come home early, schedule a date night, go for a weekend getaway. Guys, if you have little kids, bathe the kids, do the dishes, clean up, do, do whatever. Everyone's situation is different, so you're going to need to get creative here. But when you think about something special, do it. Do something your spouse loves. If he loves golfing or hunting, then join him for a round of golf or go hunting with him, right? Show, show some interest there. Darby loves country music. I can't stand it, okay? I'm just being real with you. Like, all throughout junior high and high school, she was like, I'm gonna get you to love country music. And I'm like, no, you're not. And we graduated from high school and I still hated it, right? And we've been married for 19 years, 20 next summer, and she still thinks she's gonna get me to like country music. And guess what? I still hate it, okay? And so a few weeks ago, she goes, hey, Parker McCollum's coming to love. You wanna go see Parker? And I'm like, who, Parker who? Parker what? Never heard of him, you know? She's like, no, Parker McCollum, like, you know some of his songs. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't know who that is. Like, I don't listen to Parker McCollum. She's like, well, would you want to go to the concert? I'm like, no, but I want to go with you. And so guess what? I'm going to see Parker, whatever his name is, okay? <laughs> because that's what Darby wanted to do. When you think something special, do it. And then third, when you want something different, be it. When you want something different, be it. You might be thinking, well, if she would only talk to me differently. Or ladies, if my husband would just be the spiritual leader in my home. Listen, again, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to meddle a little bit here because I know a lot of you sometimes in series like this, you go and you say, well, 
You just don't want to do what Pastor Clayton said. You know, if you would just be that person, then I'll be that person. You, you know, whatever it might be, you point the finger at the other person. You gripe about what your spouse is not. But listen, you become who God wants you to become. That's all you can control. And so you focus on who you are becoming. Instead of griping and continually complaining about what your spouse and who your spouse is not, you become who God is calling you to become. Now, I'm not talking about the situations where you have to share your hurt or address legitimate issues, but regardless, you become who God wants you to become. You become something different. You be the one that you're looking for. So if you want something different, be it. You becoming something different will actually spark something different in your spouse. We don't criticize our way into a better marriage because we can't change anybody else. We are responsible for ourselves. And the moment you go home and you start trying to apply this message to your spouse, you have missed it. You've missed the point. And so if you want something different, you become something different. Our second vow today is this. Let's all say it together, right? I promise. Oh, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Let's, let's all say it together, okay? Maybe I went too fast. I know I can talk too fast sometimes. Ready? One, two, three. I promise to always. All right, one more time. I promise to always. Yeah, that's the vow of pursuit. And listen, I know some of you are in the same place we said last week. You, you haven't been doing this. But today, like today, as the scripture says, if you hear the Spirit's voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, like Paul said in Philippians 3, we're gonna, we're gonna forget what's behind. So, some of the things in the past, like sometimes we gotta deal with the past, but, but for a lot of us, like we've gotta put the past behind us. We, we've gotta put this last week, like today, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to pursue our two from this day forward. But if you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. Like if you don't like what you're getting, then look at what you're giving. Because there was a time when you did it. You were in love and you did stupid things. Why? Because you were crazy about that person. And years later, you wonder why you're not. Well, somewhere along the way, you stopped pursuing. You stopped giving. You see, to get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. And to get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Most of you had it before. You can get it again. You had it before, you can get it again. Show some romance, show some tenderness, show some affection, pursue you're two, and over time, a heart, a hard heart will soften if you will pursue your two. The romance will come back. Suddenly, you're, you're playful again. Why? Because a little bit goes a long way. It's, it's like a snowball. To get what you want had, do what you once did. If it was ever special, it can be special again. If God is your one, your spouse is your two, and you pursue your two, it can be special again. About a week ago, 
I heard this Goo Goo Dolls song. You know, you kind of follow me, like if you know the Goo Goo Dolls, like I heard this song and it was real, you know, kind of romantic. And, and um, I used to listen to the Goo Goo Dolls like in middle school and high school. And um, so it just kind of, you know, brought back like all these kind of memories and, and feelings and, you know, uh, that, I, that I really that I had about Darby. And so I, I'm hearing this song and, and I decide like, we, we've got some of those like, you know, Alexa things in our house. And so I decide like, I'm gonna go into the house. I pulled up the lyrics because I couldn't like, you know, remember the real words. I had my own words, you know, that I kind of sing to it, but I wanted to know the real words. And so I, I pulled up the lyrics, like I'm sitting in my driveway. I pull up the lyrics on my phone. I get the, the song cued on my phone to, to play in the whole house because we have them like in each room for our kids, the sound machines and alarm clocks. And we have it in our kitchen and in, in our bathroom, Darby Nye's bathroom. And so I, I pull up, I get the lyrics, I get the song ready. I, I, I walk in, I hit the play button on as loud as it goes. I can hear the kids in the background what is that what's going you know they're like what's going on I go into our bathroom Darby's getting ready and I start singing the words to the song and then all of a sudden the song stops because one of our kids like turned it off and Darby's kind of looking at me like what's going on you know I, hit, I go back in my I go swipe over hit play again song starts going I pick up with the lyrics again I'm like singing it to her stop she's like she's confused she's like what you know what's what's happening here you know the moment's totally lost because my kids in the other room keep pausing the song on Alexa. I want it to play so I can like sing to Darby and, and serenade. It was a miserable failure, okay? But I tried, I tried. So maybe instead of complaining about your one, look at what you're giving. Do what you once did, do what you've never done and be the one that you're looking for. Would you pray with me? God, I just wanna pray over every single person in the room, whether they're dating or married, God, that you would prepare those, God, through this series, God, you would prepare them to, to, to become the one that they're looking for, God, that they wouldn't make promises and have great intentions, but they would actually prepare and they would become the one that they're looking for. God, I pray for, for marriages, God, in the room, especially those that are struggling right now. God, we, we pray for the Holy Spirit to empower, to soften hearts. God, to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring reconciliation. In Jesus' name, nothing is too hard for you, God. And so we claim that. We believe that. In Jesus' name, God, you can do the miraculous. You can do the impossible in every one of these marriages. Just with heads bowed, eyes closed, this is just kind of a moment between you and the Lord. But as we said last week, you, you can't do any of this. and you, you can't do any of the stuff we're talking about today if, if Christ is not number one. If you, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, then, then listen to me, a lot of this stuff is just hopeless because it's only Christ that's going to enable you to become a godly husband or a godly wife. It's only Christ, it's Christ alone that's going to enable you to be that godly boyfriend or, or, or girlfriend, right? It's Christ alone. Jesus didn't say, hey, it's one, two, three. He said, come follow me. And so if you're in the room today and you've never given your life to Jesus, that, that's the challenge for you. You, first things first, you've gotta have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
And some of you are in here, just, just heads bowed, eyes closed, just kind of mo- just between you and the Lord. Some of you are in here and you've been thinking if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then maybe God would let you into heaven. And that's just not true. You're not gonna do better and try harder your way into the kingdom of God. That's not the way it works. You've broken God's law. You have sinned against a holy and righteous God. And and so the reason all of this is hopeless is without Christ is because you are broken. You are in sin. You have broken God's law. You are not right with God. In fact, the scripture says you are God's enemy. And because you've broken God's law, you're gonna pay God's fine for sin one day. That's eternity separated from him in a place called hell. The great news is that God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you on that cross in spite of your sin and rebellion against God. God loves you and sent Jesus to die for you. And so when Jesus died on that cross, he paid the fine for your sin. And the scripture says three days later, he rose from the grave. He defeated your sin. He defeated death itself. So the Bible says, if you will Believe in your heart that Christ has been raised from the grave, died on that cross for your sin, rose from the grave, give your life to Jesus, follow Jesus. Your sin can be forgiven. You could be made right with God and know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. And so some of you are here today and you've never made that decision. And first things first, you need to get right with God and give your life to Jesus today. He's your only hope in this life. He's your only hope for your marriage. And he's your only hope for the next life. And so if that's you and you need to give your life to Jesus today, today's the day, jump on our app, fill out our connect form and let us know that you're giving your life to Jesus today. And then for all of us, we've given you some good one, two, threes. We've given you some practical things you can do. But listen, if you're not walking with Jesus, then a lot of this is just hopeless. like we said last week, you need to recommit. You need to get your priorities straight. You need to recommit your life to following Jesus and and being in Christian community so that you can grow in your relationship with Jesus, that you might be a godly husband, a godly wife, and have a Christ-honoring marriage. Get first things first. And so Holy Spirit, as we begin to worship, would you just do a work in our minds and our hearts, bring transformation, bring conviction, bring comfort, but, but, but Holy Spirit, we're saying we, we need you to come and do in us and through us and for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so would you have your way in our minds and our hearts and in our marriages? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as our team leads us in worship?